So, yeah, you want to rift it? Sure. You want to just talk about... Uh, I feel like we can just talk about old fucking shows we used to watch and just kind of wax nostalgic for a while. Sure. All right. Well, yeah. This is Timothy Bennett here. This is Aaron Banyan. And welcome back to B&B Banter Bros. This is our 15th episode. 15. Woo-hoo. Woo! Almost able to drive. <laughs> right? <laughs> we're, we're definitely hitting puberty. <laughs> Um, and today I think we're just gonna riff it. Yeah, I think we're just gonna BS and don't we, uh, really have anything on the agenda. Yeah, I mean we don't nothing really planned. And the last episode kind of ended. We were talking about shows we enjoyed watching and stuff like that. And I, just, yeah. I thought we'd just wax nostalgic for a while and just talk about shows that we used to watch and some of our favorite shit from them. Hell yeah, yeah, we can do that. I mean shows, movies, and yeah, all that jazz. It's a lot of them. Yeah. Oh god, yes. <laughs> I know, so our last episode was about Galaxy Quest, and that was kind of a nostalgic mm-hmm. moment when okay. I rewatched it and we talked about that. Yep, yep. And, um, yeah, I suppose we could start with whatever, you, do you have some on mind, some particular that was on? Um, I mean, there's so many movies or shows that I, I fucking love to watch, and, uh, so I've been kind of kicking around this idea of trying to get into old shows that I never watched, and, you know trying to get a podcast put together about that and uh two of the ones that i i uh wanted to do um one was tales from the crypt mm-hmm. um just because I, I never watched all of them yeah same here and i always them. dug it so yeah. i always wanted to watch the rest of them dude um, the crypt keeper was it was so cool i think yeah i think what was really cool about it was it was super like morbid mm-hmm but it wasn't like overly grotesque. It was just super morbid, and it was on TV. It was based ever, off a comic book. Yeah, I was just say, did you ever watch the cartoon? I vaguely remember the cartoon. Yeah, yeah. I vaguely remember too. I remember watching it. It wasn't yes. quite the same effect, but uh, right. it was still cool. Yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah, missed that. Kind of missed that show. Um, but yeah, I can't find it anywhere, uh, like no. to stream. So like, I think the last time I saw it on DVD was in Walmart. So I might have yeah. to go hit Walmart and pick it up. I was gonna say I think I saw it at Target. Yeah, yeah. so I, I think I can get them for ago. probably like fifty bucks or something like that. I can probably get the whole set. That would be dope. Uh, the other one, and this is the one that blew my fucking mind. Uh, did you ever hear the show Moonlighting? Is that with uh, Bruce Willis? Bruce Willis yeah. and uh, Civil Shepherd. So it's I never watched it. It was like the eighties when it's when was he actually had hair. Yeah. Yeah, it was before he started going bald. Yep. Um, I mean, a little bit of hair, at least. Yeah. <laughs> so I tried to find that series. and Which streaming was? Yeah, it's nowhere to be streamed. Not even on um, Amazon, huh? No, not even on Amazon. And uh, so I like, I just was like, well, I wonder if I can just find it on DVD. I found seasons one and two for $108. And I was like, what the mm, fuck is happening? No, thank you. <laughs> I was like, I wanted to watch it, but not that much. Did you try looking on Amazon for yeah. like uh, to buy? Yeah, not just to, like for oh, yeah. free. No, yeah. I looked for it. Wow, that's it's, ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it's it's like it's nowhere to be found, and I can't imagine why. Like Sybil Shepherd, like this was so. This was the show that put Sybil Shepherd firmly into being able to act, mm. from what I understand, and then. You know, Bruce Willis was, I think he was still, he was already doing stuff at that point, but I think this was, or maybe this might have been his earliest stuff. I don't know. I can't I, remember. I feel like, other than Die Hard, I think Die Hard was his breakout role, so I don't think, and this was before Die Hard, so. Yeah, maybe. Then, yeah, this was his first, like, on-air stuff, and then. 
And uh, yeah, yeah. this is like a romantic comedy. It was yeah, it was a comedy where basically you know she's in the, the synopsis of the show is that she is an actress that basically gets bilked out of all her money by her agent slash boyfriend or whatever. Bad combination. Pe- yeah. Um, left penniless, but basically owns a bunch of like buildings that are that were tax write offs that the boyfriend was using for money sheltering or whatever. Okay, uh, <laughs> but they're all vacant buildings or like just whatever, except for this one building where Bruce Willis has a d- detective agency, and so she's like shows up to try and tell him that she's going to sell the building or close it down and. He has to convince her to like leave it open so he can make a living, and <laughs> she becomes his new boss, and right. that's where a lot Sounds of the stuff kind of yeah, it's, that's where a lot of it sort of sort of stems out of, and then it becomes you know they romance kind of happens, and eventually they end up together and whatnot. From what I understand, I I remember blips of the show, yeah, like just tiny little like few second blips of it, and that's all I really remember. Um, but I wanted to go back and watch it because I was like, Bruce Willis at that point was doing stuff that was more funny than he was, you know, being this like action yeah, he, star. Yeah, he wasn't, you know, rough and tumble kinda. like badass, you know, John McClane. He was just a detective who just wanted to stay open, so he made some money. Yeah, yeah. The show was uh, 1985 to 1989. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, I know of the show, but yeah, I've never, I've never seen it. Yeah, I, say, I think it was a CBS joint. I think. Curtis Armstrong is in it. Oh, I don't know that name. Curtis Armstrong played Booger in Revenge of the Nerds. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's in a bunch of Metatron and Supernatural. I was just gonna say he's Metatron and Supernatural. He was also in New Girl. I mean, he's he's in every. He's a, he's in, he's another character, not character actor, but he's a supporting actor kind yeah. of guy. He never really does anything straightforward where like he's the star no but he's always playing like a goofball or somebody not being taken serious at all yeah i think he, <laughs> even in even in supernatural which is a more serious role for him yeah he gets a little like uh disturbing like a little creepy yeah. uh like like he's gonna do some damage but it's hard to take him serious <laughs> i i think the best line he has in that series it kind of defines what he plays in general he's like it's funny, huh? A nebbishy little guy like me. Like, yeah. and he's always a very unassuming, like you wouldn't think much of him. I mean, the most standout is when he's booger on Revenge of the Nerds because he's in a leather jacket and he's always drinking and smoking. But that's really the most forward he is. Otherwise, he's always kind of off. Like, he's kind of just like a supporting kind of geeky sort of guy. Yeah. Yep. I think uh, he was in uh, with John Cusack. I want to say Better Off Dead. Or no. Um, You're thinking the one where summer, they go to the beach. Summer Catch? Not Summer Catch. Uh, cool Summer? Yeah, summer? yeah, that's the one. Yep, with Demi Moore. Yep. 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 And uh, Bob Bobcat. Bob I Cat. love that film. Bobcat Goldthwait. That's actually yeah. one of my favorite John Cusack films. Yeah, no. that's actually that's one of the ones I always remember too. Yep. Oh my god, I love that. We should watch. Should we I believe that? his best friend is Bill Murray's brother, uh, one of the other Murrays, <laughs> whose name escapes me at this yep. point. No, I take that back. That might not be him. <laughs> I, I can't remember. I would have to look it up. Well, by the way, I just kind of read. So, like, uh, Die Hard came on '88. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, you know a year before the the end of the moonlight seating well apparently 
Shepard and Willis did not get along during that production time. When he made his success with Die Hard, he furthered their relationship. Damn. So apparently there was a lot of tension. Apparently uh, because Willis became his major star, he kind of became an asshole, I guess, and a lot of, um, I guess, shooting delays happen. That wouldn't surprise me. So, and I guess Shepard blamed him, which... Yeah. Probably outright so, but yeah, apparently there's a lot of tension. Interesting. Yeah, I mean that wouldn't surprise me. It's crazy that you can't find it anywhere. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's like I could find it one spot that's like 108 dollars. I was like, okay, nope. well, I don't think I want to mm. see the show that much. Nope, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I had that same problem though with another show that I grew up watching that I loved. It's called Perfect Strangers. Um, I don't think I've ever seen that. Bronson Pinchot is the big name actor in that one. <laughs> and I say that with that sort of reticence because Bronson Pinchot is not a big name. Um, you'd know him if you saw him, but Bronson Pinchot is not one of those guys you would think about right off the bat. Um, basically, Perfect Strangers. So basically, Bronson Pinchot plays a immigrant named Balky Bartakamus. Mm-hmm who comes to Chicago to live with his cousin, Larry Appleton. Um, yeah, I remember him from Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, that's the first thing you'd think of. He was in Step by Step in the later seasons. Um, Apparently he's still acting, too. Yeah, he's still doing stuff. He he's in, just not doing a lot. Sabrina, the Netflix show Sabrina. He plays really? principal. Huh. Good for him. It's good that he's getting work. All right, he's in a lot of stuff. <laughs> he, uh, the other thing I really remember from is uh, The Langoliers. Um, there's a Stephen King novel that they did a yep. when they were doing TV movies about every Stephen King novel. Uh, the Langoliers was one of them, and he played the really mentally disturbed guy that was uh, that was in that one. He was like in a business suit, and he kept like ripping paper to like make himself feel better. Um, but yeah, so it took me for I, I had the first two seasons on DVD. And it became abundantly apparent that the rest of them were never going to come out. And then finally, Hulu put them up on, uh, on, on the service. So like we were able to finally so watch able, the like all all of the seasons, all the not seasons just one or two. Yeah, no, all the seasons are up there. And uh, Chelsea and I watched them. And the last season, really, the last man, yeah, maybe even the last two, the last season for sure just really went off the rails like oh that's a shame like, it was just like they were running out of stuff because like the whole premise of the first couple of seasons were Balky's from this little island off of you know off the Mediterranean called Mipos he's so he doesn't know a lot of American culture or he's enamored of American culture and is very unassuming and is naive so you run into all of these classic you know tropes where like he doesn't know how to date or talk to women he gets taken advantage of for whatever reason and, you know, they really should have ended it the season before the last one when they get married. And they, you know, that was about it. Because the last one, the last season, there was a lot of like episodes where they did like bits where they played other characters. Like there was the one where they played Lowell and Hardy the entire se- se- uh, episode. Another one where they played their children um, and things like that. And it was just. It seems a little. It, it was like you know they were running out of ideas at that point. The the, the episode or the Getting season a little desperate at that point. Yeah, the or season before like they were the season before they 
Larry gets married and Balky gets married and it's just been, they live happily ever after the last season. There really wasn't anything great about it. There were some funny parts, but not enough to make it worth watching. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen this, this show. Uh, I recognize the two main actors for like their main, yeah. for that time period for sure. Yeah. But, uh, Bronson Pinchot, like I said, was all was on numerous things. Um, like I said, I remember him in Beverly Hills Cop. Yep, Beverly Hills Cop. I, could, I recognized. He's in the first and the third one. I don't think he's in the second one. I don't think. Look at that real quick. Yep. He's also in Risky Business, but I don't. Yep. Really so, remember. Risky he, business that much. Yeah, he doesn't have a big part. He, uh, Curtis Armstrong's in that movie too. Um, oh, True Romance. Was he in True Romance? Elliot Blitzer. I've never seen True Romance. It's not bad. Uh, I don't know why I keep saying Womance and I keep meaning to say romance. Womance. I don't, I don't have a fucking speech impediment, but apparently I developed one for a second. I, it's been a while since I've seen True Romance. I've been, about five or six years, but it's it's good. I've heard it's good. I've heard that like Gary Oldman and uh, Brad Pitt, like the fact that they play characters you wouldn't expect them to play, are probably the funnier. Brad Pitt's character is great, but because he just plays this like he's like a burnout. Yeah, he's just playing this stoner guy that never leaves the house. Yeah. In fact, he takes a hit out of like a bear bong, like a honey bear bong. <laughs> Or something. It's just, yeah. It, it's he does have a good line at one point though, or this like guys like mean mugging him or something. He's like coming to my house and oh fuck you and <laughs> something after they leave. Like, but he never like leaves the house. He's really? just a big stoner. Oh, that's funny. It's not bad. That's legit. I like. I've never been a big. People are probably gonna hate me. It's taken me a while to be. A Quentin Tarantino person and even though he didn't direct the movie he wrote it he yeah. helped write it yep, it's definitely it. Quentin Tarantino style mm-hmm. and it's not that I hate Quentin Tarantino I think it's just the Kill Bills I wasn't a fan I yeah I didn't care for Kill Bill I watched them it was, yep. they were fine I just didn't care for them no. um, I watched The Hateful Eight I that the was Hateful very Eight. interesting um you know, obviously, Pulp Fiction is kind of a classic. It is. See, my favorite was Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir I didn't Dogs even care probably, for Pulp Fiction yeah. as much. I think it's I don't like Uma Thurman. I'm just not a fan. Uh, I can I see that. I don't think I've seen anything that she's in that's made me go, oh, gee golly, that was fantastic. Gee, <laughs> <laughs> gee golly. You turned into a 60s eight-year-old. <laughs> gee golly, mister. Well, I had recently seen that Dennis the Menace is up. The original yeah, yeah, Dennis yeah, and yeah. This is up on uh, with Walter Nef- Matthau. Yeah, on uh, hey, Hulu, Mr. I think. Wilson. Or, yeah, and uh, I I thought about watching it. It's been a long time, and I like Ma- uh, Walter Matthau. I I think him <laughs> he is pretty great in that movie. Grumpy Old Men was great. Yep, with him and Jack Lennon, but also was the Odd Couple. Yeah, was it right. Or, so, yep, the, yeah, odd, the couple, odd Couple. Yep. So I never saw the original movie. Uh, but I did watch the the Odd Couple two, and I love that movie. Yeah, I love Matthau and Lemon in that movie. Uh, you know things. You know, Walter Matthau saying things that we've always mixed about as well as oil and frozen yogurt. 
<laughs> yep. I think one of my favorite films or characters that he ever played in was IQ with uh, Tim Robbins. Oh, when he plays Einstein. Yep, he plays Einstein. Yep. I think that that was because it was oddly different. Mm-hmm. And yet, he was very understated. Like he was just. But it was perfect. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't too he hard to well. see an actual Einstein. If you look at pictures of Einstein and mm-hmm. see him, he's yeah. very, very close. And uh, he threw in an accent in there, which I wouldn't even think he could have done. <laughs> but it's because of everything you see him in. I always loved Out to Sea Out with to sea. Uh, Matthew and Lemon. And yeah. Those two were an untouchable duo, though. They were oh, the yeah. first to, they were like the first to step out of like, uh, uh, oh crap, the old comedy, black and white comedy. Um, I just completely had a mind blank. Who are the, Abbott and Costello. Oh, yeah. They, they were like, they were like the more modern coming out of era. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They, that kind of couple they, duo. You know, the, the, the at odds, you know, the, you know, the odd couple, they were always at odds. Like they always played those characters very well where, yep. well, you know, math, I was always the, the loose one that played, you know, just off the cuff and lemon played very by the rules. Yep. Like has to be cleaned. Has to, I remember even out to sea, like there's a part where like Jack lemon pulls out a, uh, a traveling steamer, to steam his pants, he's like, why are you pulling that out? Like, you got a broccoli in your pocket or something? He said something about broccoli, and I'm like, steam broccoli? I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? Right. Yeah, I, I like those movies. I like those two. Those those guys are just... They were wonderful. The only movie that I saw that I really laughed a lot where it wasn't Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau was My Fellow Americans, where it was Jack Lemmon and James Garner. Yeah. And that one was... Very funny in and of itself. You ever seen uh, uh, Some Like It Hot? No. Uh, it's an older some... film. It, it was 1959, and it stars Jack that... Lennon, uh, Marilyn Monroe, okay. Tom Curtis, I was Jack Lemmon. I was wondering if it was a Jack, uh, Marilyn Monroe joint. I yeah, so she she plays the... <sighs> The female lead, the I, I would say love interest for sure. Mm-hmm. So what it is is it was 1959, and this was one of the first films that had um, cross gender sexuality and same sex in oh. film. Oh, so it okay. wasn't really done. It was definitely not it something that taboo, was done. Yeah. Yes, and this film had these two gentlemen, Jack Lemmon and Tom Curtis, who were friends. They were like in a jazz band, and they were supposed to be like. Uh, they, they were to make some money because I mm-hmm. think they owed some money to some people and they needed to make money now. So they had to go and do a gig in like Chicago, but they were all the way in like New York or whatever. Yeah. Or something like that. And so they had to get on a, like a train or they had mm-hmm. to make it there to make this money. And so uh, they end up having to get on a train that was with a band of women mm. <laughs> and no men allowed or whatever but to like play with his band to get where they needed to go or to make the oh. money or whatever it is they had to act like women oh so it kind of the concept of a uh, uh, boat trip or is it Cuba Gooding Jr. and her kind of, com- kind of yeah, the same kind concept of, I guess lo- at least yeah. conceptually along the yeah. same lines I mean this would probably be the influence yeah for that film right yeah, yeah I actually for like sure. boat trip I think it's hilarious. I've never seen it, but I know the plot. I, I, I know the plot. Um, anyway, I have the movie. 
Um, I'm sure you I, do. I, I mean, there's very few movies I can't imagine you don't have. <laughs> I should find it and let you watch it because it is it's good. Yeah. It is super good. It's funny. And there's even, like I said, the same sex uh, thing because what you're doing is you have like John or Tony Curtis, uh, his name is Joe, he's the main main character, mm-hmm. and he falls for Marilyn Monroe, mm-hmm. but he's dressed as a woman, and so he tries to, like, kiss Marilyn Monroe, but he's dressed as a woman, and yep. she's a woman, so the idea of two women kissing in that right. first lesbian scene, although it's not true lesbian, it's just the idea of right. it, right? Yeah. The portrayal of him being a man. <laughs> but, so, and then you have... Uh, Jack Lemmon who is dressed as a woman towards the end of the film it's one of my favorite things it's the last last scene mm-hmm. of the film is my favorite is they're escaping from these people so they're, they're like on this resort mm-hmm. and they get caught or whatever by the people who they're running away from and so they get on this boat and the boat the guy who's driving the boat or whatever is like infatuated with Jack Lemmon's <laughs> character. And he's this older guy. And so they're like driving off and he's trying to say, he's like, uh, it's like, we're going to go get married. He's like, well, I can't marry you. He's like, why not? And it's like, because I'm this. And he's like, well, not every, you know, so it's okay. And then it's like, well, because of this. And it's like, eh, no, I can live with that. And he's like, because I'm a man. I was like, nah, nobody's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's how they end it. That's the end of the movie. Oh, but you should totally watch it. All right. It's good. It's a younger. I feel like it's somewhere on a streaming service. I feel like I've come across it. Oh, it probably. Like, you can definitely give it a shot. It was Billy Wilder who wrote it. Uh, okay. I, I mean, I don't think you know was like, much you, about You said that like or... I was supposed to know who that was. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Billy Wilder for back in the day was one of the top writers okay. and directors of like the 1950s. Um, he, he was one of the top dogs. Of course, one of the few that really stood out. And I think, let me see if I can find one of his first few films. Uh, he, he wrote a lot of stuff, but uh, <laughs> Double Indemnity was one of his. Devil what? Double and Oh, Double Indemnity? Yep, was one of his that he wrote. And, and, I said um, the Devil Indemnity, and I was like, that's I know, a no, weird sorry. horror movie setup. Sunset Boulevard, which is fantastic as well. I've heard of, I've heard of both of those movies. Yep, Sunset Boulevard. The cool thing about that was one of the first few films that dealt with narration after death. Hmm. So this dude, who was a journalist... Is, well, you find him face down in the gutter yeah, in the beginning. In, in a pool. In a pool. In okay. a pool. But he's narrating. So he's supposed to be dead, and yet he's narrating. <laughs> and then it goes into past tense. Sunset Boulevard has one of the most iconic classic lines of all time. It's like, I'm ready, ready for, for my close-up. Close yep. It's a good film. Okay. It really is. Uh, I'm not really big into classic films as much, but going to school... Yeah, I kind of had to at least you know delve into it a little. Oh, bit. Oh, for sure. I yeah. ended up watching a lot. He also did another film called The Seven Year Itch, which Heard was starring one? Marilyn Monroe. And this film was was kind of controversial at the time because it was dealing with women's sexuality and being open to being being sexy. It was the woman's gaze, and and not like it's far fetched or or even. Um, hidden that Marilyn Monroe was a bit of a slut well this film is talking about that right and uh promiscuality pretty much saying it's okay to be a woman who wants to have sex right 
So it was a little taboo, but something like it hot was also it turned into the one about cross dressing and, hmm. and same sex interesting stuff and that's kinda that was Billy Wilder. So like he he had his place in in the forties and fifties. Ooh, that sounds like he definitely like set himself up. He was got he was considered a radical hmm. at the time. But it didn't stop him from doing and having these iconic films like the ones good. I just listed. Yeah. Those ones I listed are the ones I've seen. Right. I He's probably got you. more. But. Yeah, not a whole bunch more, but yeah, there's probably like 10, 12 films that he did. All right. But those are the ones I've seen that I can actually talk about. And uh, like I said, Some Like It Hot is probably my favorite. Seven Year Itch, I didn't like it, but it was different for his time. And then, okay. Um, what was the other one I... I said oh sunset, sunset boulevard. boulevard yep sunset boulevard was good i really enjoyed that film yeah. but yeah i don't know jacqueline and lemon and, and walter matthew are, are great yeah and then, and then you kind of have like the comparison that i would say to those two would probably next be like chris farley and david spade yeah I think yep. those two would kind of be... They were more of a dumbed-down version. They were the 90s version yeah, of that. Definitely dumbed-down version, but yeah. it was the same. They were these opposites that attract. Yep. Without You couldn't have one without the other. I feel like there's not really that duo yet in this time. But there... I mean, there's been a couple that have started to be it, but not... They're not there yet. Like I, f- I feel like The Rock and Kevin Hart are sort of there. Yeah. Um, the other ones would be just by the sheer fact they've done a number of movies together are Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell. Those two are probably the closest I can say to getting there. Yeah, they're not there yet, but yeah. they're the closest to it. As of at least of as of right now, like right now. Yeah, in the past, I mean, five years, I suppose, but. Yeah, I, I guess I can't think of anything. But even in the 2000s, I can't think of a duo that really made you know movies that were. I know there's they're out there, but yeah, I would oh, have I'm to sure probably do some, some. No one stands out. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't really think of anything. The problem with seeing so many films, though. Yeah, I mean that's true. Um, Definitely, I think you're on to something about that. Kind of have to. Dig into that. I have to do some, some freaking movie watching. Right. I, I actually, I think I have to agree with you though. As of right now, that stands out. Yeah, Kevin Hart and Dwayne Johnson are pretty close. Yeah. I mean, they've got do, the chemistry for it. They do, and you have The Rock, you know, who's more of the serious brute yep. of them all, and then you have Kevin Smart, or Kevin Smart, Kevin Smart, Kevin Hart, who's a smart ass. Yeah. Who's always. I don't know. Yeah, Kevin Smart. <laughs> Kevin yeah. Hart is uh, always a kind of a smart ass, and yeah, he's 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 the. F- uh, I mean, Dwayne Johnson plays the straight man, and I can't remember the name of the other half of a usual comedic duo. Because um, of the straight man who was usually like, uh, Bud Abbott was the straight man in Abbott Costello, mm-hmm. and then Lou was always the. The Pratt guy, I think it was. Yeah, whatever. There's, so I mean, that's and that's the dynamic. I mean, you know, Jack Lemon was always your straight man. Yep. Walter Matha was your Pratt guy, even though yep. they didn't do a lot of physical comedy. No, they were too old a lot. for that. Yeah, they were too old <laughs> for that. But even like 
even the old the older movies like stuff like that, I don't think they did a lot of physical comedy. I think there was theirs was a lot of like verbal dialogue. Yeah. And I just yeah, I don't I don't hear or see anyone nowadays other than those two duos I named doing anything close to that. No, not really. No. Nope. And like I said, David Spade and and uh yeah. Chris David Farley Spade. are pretty much the only other two and as soon as uh Chris died, died, yeah. David Spade kind of. It's not that he couldn't hold his own because he was he's made quite success yeah. without Chris Farley, but you could definitely tell he was. It's like a part of him died yeah. with him. I mean, oh for sure. In in the the couple biographies and stuff that I've read of uh, David Spade, he says like, yeah, he lost his best friend. Mm-hmm. Oh like, yeah can't really recover from that <laughs> so uh but he's done well yeah he's done himself. he's done his own thing he's done well for that for what it was i mean and and it's not even he's one of those guys who who didn't ride adam sandler's back right either he, he did his own thing he, he's not not that he hasn't worked with sandler but no no yeah i mean he's worked in with sandler quite a bit and almost yeah. almost everything he's quite quite a few things he's made a little cameo yeah, but um, not maybe not the earlier stuff, not in the nineties or anything, but later on. Yeah, uh, he definitely it's that Saturday Night Live crew. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> which I've I've always said there's that Saturday Night Live was one of those where you had these eras like mm-hmm. you had the really mm-hmm. good kind of cast like they they nailed everybody in there was great and honestly I think it's the Sandler area yeah. for me because that's essentially what I grew up watching was that Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. And, you know, David Spade and Chris Farley. Yeah. But before then, you had, like, you know, Jim Belushi Jim, and... John Belushi. Um, or John, Jim Belushi. Yeah, Jim Belushi was his brother. Bill Murray, John, Chevy Chase, yeah. uh, Eddie Murphy. So... Those guys, yeah. Those guys were, like, the beginning, though. Mm-hmm. Those guys started kind of... That was, like, the beginning. So they weren't... They had the a good cast, obviously. Yeah. You know, but it was... They were still figuring out... Yeah, how to do this, and then they came out with Adam Sandler. I think it was just that that kind of era was like they refinited it. Like mm-hmm. it was just their glory, and then they went into like the Will Ferrell. Yeah, um, was it Chris Parnell? Yeah, and, Will Ferrell, Chris Parnell, uh, um, Chris Kattan, Chris Kattan, and all those other guys. Yeah, who I can't think of um, Daryl Hammond. Yeah, and I think that's where. It kind of fell off after that. That was the last of it, yeah. in my opinion, before it. I don't know. Because nowadays I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. Because I know on the show. you had like, I know that uh, Annie Samberg, you know, was yeah a part of and, that, and Donald know, Glover was part of that. Was Donald Glover on Saturday Night Live? He wrote for. Saturday oh, he wrote Life for it. For okay. Then I think he went and did uh, Thirty Rock, because pretty much Tina Fey took him. Oh, right. <laughs> Under his wing, he was he was the youngest to write for Saturday Night Live too. Oh, wow. and I think he was still in his dorm dorm room in college when he started <laughs> writing for Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I haven't watched Saturday Night Live in many many moons. Same here. I think I watched Saturday Night Live around the same time I was watching Mad TV, so yeah. that'll give you a frame of reference. I haven't watched Mad TV since like the second or third season. So the big guy that was in Mad TV. Artie, which one? Artie Lang or Will Sasu? Oh, man, I don't know. He's a bigger Lang, bald guy. He Artie, played in uh, the latest uh, oh, crap. Three, so, Three Stooges. 
That was Will Sassu. So Artie okay. Lang was in the first two seasons, and then he left and went on to like the Howard Stern show. And Will Sassu was the guy that kind of replaced him. Yeah, he is a, came up with a new show. Yeah, on Netflix. A new, yeah, I, just, I think it's Netflix. Hulu. 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 Yeah, yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what it's called now. I, don't but remember I, I know what you're talking about. He's still getting work. I keep seeing him pop up here and there. Yeah. Uh, the other guy, I actually just saw in New Girl. Ooh, Artie Lang? Yeah. I oh, think okay. I just saw him in, in an episode Possible. of New Girl. I don't think it's I see him. In, he's not, I don't think he's on Howard Stern anymore. I think he's, well, he cleaned up because he was addicted to heroin for quite a while. Oh, was he? Oh, yeah. Man. I think he was the guy. I think he's got, a, he's got a couple books. I think his first one's called, I feel like the first one's called like Too Fat to Fish or something like that. Too fat to fish. I, that might be wrong. I, that might be just something I'm remembering. But like he, uh, sorry, not new girl. That's, that's he talked about the fact that he was you know, probably one of the world's only fat heroin addicts. Um, this isn't the guy I was thinking. Of. I I remember this guy. Well, he uh, he was in this movie beer something beer league beer yeah. league. Yeah, yeah, that was like his big. That was Artie Lang. It was called Artie Lang's Beer League. Yeah. That was the other his, thing uh, he did, uh, he was in Dirty Work with uh, Norm MacDonald. Artie Lang is his best friend that, like, he's, like, mooning people as they drive by, and mm. Norm MacDonald's <laughs> beating the door and then just stops and gets out of the car. <laughs> he made a brief uh, cameo in Elf. Yeah, he's a Santa. Yeah. <laughs> you sit on a throne of lies. Yep. I have Beer League somewhere on here. Well, again, wouldn't surprise me. I didn't like it. No, I, I, it definitely felt very flat. He is funny when he has other people to act off of. Oh, he's in Boat Trip. That's right. He plays the best friend in Boat Trip. He plays uh, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s I friend. That was Horatio Sands. Oh man, maybe, maybe Horatio Sands was on Saturday Night Live. It's been a long time since I've seen Boat Trip too. I think that's Horatio Sands is who you're thinking of for Boat Trip. I don't think well, he, Artie... He was in... Artie Lang is in Boat Trip. Is he? Yeah. Hmm. I could have sworn he was the one that was... Uh, the one that he got to come on the trip with him. Oh, no. I think that's but Horatio Sands. Maybe. Oh! Um, I think Artie Lang was Will Ferrell's love interest at the travel agency he's the one that drives the car and like cuts them off or whatever in their parking I've spot I've never seen the movies I don't know <laughs> God damn it, you can't talk about a movie you haven't seen Boat Trip wasn't bad it's no bad. You, you were telling me it wasn't bad but uh yeah so like Cuba Gooding Jr. and his friend are like pulling up into this travel agency and this douchebag or whatever like cuts them off or parks in a spot and then like they bicker and yell at each yeah. other and say fuck you or fuck you fuck you or fuck you kind of thing and yeah. then they go into the traveling agency and he's the guy that has to help him out <laughs> and then um, they, they're, they're like arguing or bickering and, and mm. whatever and then Will Ferrell comes over and <laughs> says oh, I'll, I'll help you out and then start typing or whatever it's like oh yeah yeah we'll set you up for the cruise we got it no worries we got it and then they leave and then they set him up <laughs> they set him up and Will Ferrell I think kisses like Artie Lang Artie character Lang. and said Norman West is my boo or something like that <laughs> and you find out they set him up for a gay cruise that's funny <laughs> so 
Uh, yeah, that's that's why. God. Yeah, the guy has a recognizable face, but. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's a. Uh, yeah, he's a. Uh, he was. He was addicted to heroin for quite a while, from what I understand. So it's he, crazy. he's gotten clean now. From what, at least last time I heard, he'd gotten clean. Heroin. It's a drug I've never been interested in. Of course, I haven't really been in- interested in too many drugs, so. Right. I've always been one of those guys, like, I'm curious, sure, but there are certain shit I'm just not that curious about. Like, I right. would never do meth. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the hardest thing I ever did was shrooms, and I did a couple bumps of Coke, and I didn't, and I've, I've gummied some Coke, and I would never want to do that again because it tastes like aspirin. <laughs> and um, not to mention you can't trust any drug out there that's right. street that comes from the street could be laced with freaking Drano. Yeah. Um, then you end up like the chicken, uh, Cheech and Chong. The the first Cheech and Chong movie, Chong, uh, Tommy Chong is in this house and he's like, there's like uh, Ajax and he's, oh, it's like, yeah, it's spilled yeah, over yeah. and he's like, oh, it kind of looks like Coke yeah. and he's cutting it up just for fun yeah. and this one chick comes out and just like, oh, hey, he just snorts it <laughs> yep. and he makes a bunch of like weird elephant noises I remember and he's just that. like stunned. He's like, oh. <laughs> yep. I remember that. It's been a long time since I've seen any of the Cheech that's, and Chong's. That's one of the few bits of the Cheech and Chong, like the one Cheech and Chong movie I really watched. What was their period piece one? Oh, uh, the Cheech- Corsican Brothers. I loved that one and which is weird because that was their, considered their worst film that they've they've done and yet I thought it was probably like Chong's best acting well it's probably in part because it wasn't you know a lot of weed humor it's true which is period what, <laughs> which is what you know a lot of Cheech and Chong fans were looking for because that's what Cheech and Chong were about it's true you know I, I remember like potato bombs potato grenades or something like <laughs> that in that movie but yeah I, I always enjoyed that movie it would it would be the same concept as like Nowadays, people watching the crew from Half Baked do Shakespeare. I feel like that would be the same reaction. <laughs> be like, why aren't they doing any weed humor? Well, I feel like they could pull it off, though. I mean, you could, but I mean, <laughs> if they just wanted to actually do like Shakespeare or yeah. something or something like that, you know, something serious, and people would just be like, well, yeah, we no, liked you in Half Baked. Why aren't you doing that? I know it's. I know exactly what you're saying. Um, who's the guy uh, that it was in Rocket Man and stuff? He was the goofy guy. In- oh, uh, um, Harlan Williams. Yes, Har- Harlan Williams. So he's probably the one I could not see do Shakespeare. <laughs> mm. uh, Dave Chappelle, I think he could pull it off. Especially nowadays, he's gotten a lot more serious. He could do it. I think he could pull it off. Brewer, uh, I actually could, could maybe see- do it. I could yeah. see him do it too. He. He it depends could, on the role. Yeah, he could probably pull it serious enough to pull off a little little yeah. spurt. Uh, I don't think he could be any lead by any means. No. And the guy played Scarface, whose name escapes me, yeah. could do it. Because he, he's doing serious work now. He's on a hospital show. Is he? I think so. I, last thing I seen him on was uh, Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. Or something like that, or some, some show. Street, he, did a, he did a, a there was a, a he's dog stories. puppet show. Yeah, I know the show you're talking about. It's on yeah. Amazon. Games like wait, and I'm like, God, I, that guy looks familiar. Why does he look familiar? And yeah. it's like half baked. <laughs> yeah, he's he's gained a little bit of weight since he did the Chappelle show and half baked. Um, but yeah, those guys could all could do it. I'm just saying that like their their fan base like would be very upset with them. It's true. No, I, I know what you're saying. I I definitely understand what you're saying. 
It's it's unfortunate like the, those kinds of typecasting like you know guys. That, I mean Tommy Chong's kind of just happy doing whatever he does. He's, Cheech, I think, kind of can do. Cheech has got enough acting credits and chops that like he can kind of do whatever he wants. Yeah, I mean, and, he did really well at spreading himself out. Yeah, he obviously stayed very, you know, hey, the, the Latino guy. Oh, it's kind of uh, hard to get away from that with him, but yeah. I mean, you know. But I mean, I, the problem was when they came out with Cheech and Chung, like Born in East LA, for example. Yeah. He's playing the same role. It's mm-hmm. just a little less drug influenced. He's not yeah. high all the time, or he's not yeah. whatever. Because I actually think that's a great film. It's been a long time since I've seen that one. That one and Shrimp on the Barbie were yeah. both movies Shrimp I and watched. Shrimp on the Barbie, like, my God, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I watched both of those pretty close together, and I don't remember a whole lot from well, either well, one. I must rephrase what I said. They're not great. They're not, like, spectacular. I just enjoy them. They're they're fondly remembered. Yeah. yeah they weren't going to, you know, they weren't going to blow the doors off anything. It's no. the same way I remember... I don't think anyone else really feels the same way as I do. My favorite Richard Pryor movie is called Moving. Yeah. Um, yep. Which has Dana Carvey in it. It makes a guest appearance. Uh, and Dave Thomas is in it, I think. And, it, and Randy Quaid's in it. Uh, Moving, I love, Moving's great. Moving is one. It has some good quotes to that one, too. Moving I don't know anybody. is my had... favorite Richard Pryor movie. Oh, mine is See No Evil, Hear No Evil. See, that, that's another. That's my favorite Gene Wilder Richard Pryor movie. Yeah. But Richard Pryor on his own okay. has to be That's uh, moving. The toy is probably second on that list. I didn't like the toy. I I, I like the toy simply because I remember watching it as a child. See, and I thought it, the <sighs> there was something off about that movie to me that I didn't feel comfortable with. Well, it's inherently racist. Oh well, most. Of, well, that's Richard Pryor though. He embraces the racism right. for his comedy, right. but. It wasn't I mean, yeah. outright funny the way Richard Pryor no, could be. Definitely not. It was. It wasn't a bad film because it was kind of him trying to be a little more serious too, with the mm-hmm. whole child not having a father and just being yeah. replaced by. I believe and- that that kid did porn when he got old enough. <laughs> um, I feel like I saw something somewhere about that. But yeah, I mean, between Richard Pryor and Jackie Gleason, you know, coming off of the Honeymooners, I mean, I don't know that he was racist, but I mean, I can't imagine him being. You know, not at least uh, somewhat unagreeable about things. Yeah, I, not I, to besmirch his name, but yeah, I don't know. So I, I don't remember. I think he said it in maybe his uh, autobiography, but I hadn't read it. Was uh, Gene Wilder was saying because he's often Richard Pryor was known to be hard to work with. Mm-hmm. Not only would he be coked out or drugged up or whatever, he was notoriously late. He just wasn't responsible. Yeah, he kind of thought he was. He was kind of he was an asshole to everybody, kind of thing, and. Gene Wilder was one of the few people that could work with him more than once. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he was Stir Crazy was the other film that they Stir did. Cra- they did Stir Crazy. I think Car- they were... Not Car Wash. That was George Carlin and Richard Pryor. Yeah. Uh, Stir Crazy, Silver Streak, I believe, is those two together. Hear No Evil, See No Evil. And that's my favorite. See No Evil here. First of all, the concept. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, I love, Brilliant. I love When they're love driving the car. <laughs> that was my favorite scene. Ever that's yeah those that movie is movie is one of my favorites. Uh, I love Gene Wilder. Um, what are you deaf? No, I'm blind. <laughs> what, are you deaf? Yes, I'm fucking deaf. Are you blind? Yes, or, I love it. And I was like, why can't you can't you read? No, I'm blind. 
<laughs> I just it's, something it's along those great lines. Film. And I remember Gene Wilder in that movie talking about how he was an actor and like at one point he just he couldn't hear the lines anymore, so he couldn't act. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was a very serious moment at the beginning of that movie. Uh, I don't I don't want to get too far off topic of what I was saying yet. So Gene Wilder was only a few people that can work with him more than once. So here's the thing that that is interesting about that. The reason why, at least the way that Gene Wilder says the reason why is, first of all, Gene Wilder was in the military, mm-hmm. so he has a bit of of structure and yeah. discipline. He was also a therapist. Mm-hmm. He's a psychologist in the military. Oh, wow. Okay. So he understands how behavior works in two different, almost drastic, one about learning, like one physically having to to learn his own human nature and stuff in the military yeah, yeah. and then rebuilding himself and all that stuff for that kind of world and then being a therapist and then going to school and learning yeah. the idea of human thought and nature mm-hmm. and then him being an actor along with that which made him such a good actor because he understands these things and not only that him being a comedian yeah not just an actor because he it's not he's like he was doing shakespeare or drama type stuff yeah. as much he was a comedic actor he was funny mm-hmm. and he did really really well but it's because he understood and that's probably the reason why he could work with Richard Pryor, is he knew how to deal with him. Simple as that. Yeah. Just off of his experience of, you know, I guarantee the military, he's dealt with the worst people. Oh, shit. And then being a therapist, he's had to yeah, have patients or whatever worse than him and help yeah. them out. And then being an actor, he's probably just, you know. Yeah. I, oh, I don't know. Sure. That, that was something I was like, that is interesting it's very interesting to me to think about his history and then going god I wonder you could work with him <laughs> speaking of Gene Wilder um one of the last things I ever saw Gene Wilder in he did a couple guest spots as uh in on Will and Grace as Will's boss yeah hilarious yeah he was great I've never seen he was, Will and he Grace. was much older you know so you could see his age but there, it was just <laughs> He was supposed to be this. Uh, I can't remember what Will did for a living in the, in the show, but you know, the he was supposed to be like the the president of the company or something like that. It was supposed to be this hard ass like shark of a of a boss. And Will goes into the bathroom and just hears, oh. <laughs> he's he finds Gene Wilder in one of the stalls, just kind of sulking to himself. <laughs> he's just distraught, <laughs> and Will like it's like, no, you're supposed to be. This guy, like you're supposed to be this person, like you know, look at yourself. He said, "Who are you?" He's like, <laughs> he's like, you're Stein. Like, I think his name was Stein. He's like, he's like, say it. You're Stein. You're Stein. No, say I'm Stein. You're Stein. No, no, you are Stein. It's <laughs> a classic like, trope, right? There. I'm Stein. And then he starts getting. He gets you know worked up. He's like, hey, you, you're. Fi-. He's like yelling in the mirror. He's like, hey, you, you're fire. <laughs> He's just yelling at nobody in the bathroom. Just, <laughs> I've never watched Will and Grace. Uh, I, I didn't watch a lot of it. I saw bits, like episodes here and there. Yeah. It's actually kind of funny. I, you um, know, I should give it a shot because it's considered one of the top hit TV shows it, of all time. It's it could be funny. It can be very funny. I, it wasn't something I watched a shit ton of, but yeah. I mean, it could be funny. When it came out, it just wasn't my. Yeah, it didn't grab my attention. Same with uh, Helen Hunt. And, Paul Reiser's. Oh, uh, are are you mad? 
Mad no. about you. Mad about you. Yeah. Are you mad? I. <laughs> you had to mad, right? Um, Are you mad? <laughs> mad, <laughs> mad about you. That's our new sitcom. Are you mad? Are you mad? I. I watched that. I, I watched bits and pieces. It, it, it yeah. was above my head because I was I was a kid. Yeah. So it wasn't like I could relate or even yeah. understand a lot of what they were going through. I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, I there, there was shows when I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, like I watched. Like I watched Night Court and Perfect Strangers. Like those were two big shows that I watched when I was, you know, a kid. And Night Court, you know, is another one that like I, I spent a hundred some bucks getting all like nine seasons of it yeah. on Amazon. So I have that in my library somewhere, which we can go through at some point if you ever want to. <laughs> I I think well, you said Tales from the Crypt. I watched that when I was a kid. Yep. Um, I, as of right now, I can't really think of anything. It, nothing's coming to mind. Yeah, I mean, I watched that, and then like I remember watching shows like with my grandfather. Like I watched uh, Get Smart. Hmm. Yeah, um, the original, the original show, and then I watched another show right before that called F Troop, which was about a Civil War troop um, in this fort. And it was a comedy. It was about these this, this goofy like Civil War like fort, yeah. and the troop that ran it. Um, I guess at that time, as a kid, I, I watched Mash. And I watched MASH a lot with my Yeah, for some reason, MASH never really stuck with me. I don't know why. I like MASH a lot, but I think it's because I watched a lot yeah. of it with my grandfather. Yeah, for sure. He was, my grandfather was uh, into old military, but he was a big John Wayne fan. Sure. <laughs> big, I mean, he's from Iowa too, so. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather was, uh, he kind of like, as a child, he grew up a little rough and like the farm kind of farmland Sure. Kind of state country boy, mm-hmm. and then he, at the age of seventeen, he joined the navy. He went in the navy illegally, <laughs> uh, and then he spent thirty something years in the navy. So like, he he likes his military, but he also likes his westerns. Hmm. And I think it was he's just John Wayne. He was he was a, ended the Duke, and yeah, because I, I don't so. even think he was a big Clint Eastwood, because hmm. I think he was into. I think it was after Clint Eastwood. Like I'm not, I'm not saying he wasn't into Clint Eastwood. It was just Clint Eastwood came after after John, John Wayne. Wayne. Yeah. So I think it was more his favorite was the Duke. Yeah, I'd probably because he's an Iowa boy, and my yeah. grandfather's from Iowa. In fact, I've been to John Wayne's home. He was born in this house. Yeah. Hmm. Winterset, Iowa. It's like 20 minutes southeast of Des Moines. That sounds awesome. West Des Moines. <laughs> it's a small. Small little place, nothing special. <laughs> I've always said there's only a couple things that came out of Iowa that was worth anything, and hmm. that was I thirty five because it's one straight dead shot from north to south. You can go all the way down to Texas. No one want to make it any longer. No, nope. and uh, the Duke hmm. and uh, Slipknot. Yeah. <laughs> Corey Taylor to be specific, but well, they're all from yeah. Most of what I'm just saying, from, but to Corey be specific, Taylor, like you, you could probably have left the rest of the band behind and just been fine if Corey Taylor had been the only one that came out of it. Uh, yeah, I suppose because Corey Taylor's the only one that really did anything with his life yeah. after that. You heard his new music, by the way. I did. Yeah, yeah I heard his two s- singles, and I was well because I, I follow him on Instagram, and I kept seeing these posts like CMFT, and I'm like, what the fuck, this CMFT. Corey Team. motherfucking Taylor Yeah but I didn't know that I was like Cause he had a belt And I'm like Was he getting into wrestling Or something I know he's a big wrestling That'd band be amazing Like what, what's going on I'm so confused <laughs> And then uh, Yeah And then I was like Oh 
It's his solo stuff. Oh, yeah. Did I read it? Is that like stuff he's been writing for like the last 15 years or something like that? I don't I fucking think know. I don't know anything about it. I think it's all yeah. shelved stuff he's been writing for the Corey last Corey motherfucking 15. Taylor. Yeah, I was just so confused. I had <laughs> no idea. What, what does CMFT mean? It's like... Yeah. I just couldn't figure it out, and I thought it was maybe for like a TV show. I didn't know. I was just, I was, what is this about? Why is he doing this? What's the point? And I stop. Whatever you're doing, stop. I couldn't find any answers either. Like nobody on on Instagram was saying, "No, Corey, motherfucker, did no." I had to piece it together myself, and then I was like. (laughs) Oh, he's called, oh, there's music. Tim oh. just had like a murder board with like pins and string. And <laughs> I was, I was lost. I, I legitimately was confused. I, I spent probably a good hour and a half trying to figure out what this <laughs> fucking meant, and I didn't find any answers. And eventually, I realized that it just must stand for Corey Motherfucking Taylor. Yeah. That was my first initial thought too, Corey Motherfucking Taylor. But I didn't I, know. I'm not gonna lie. I saw it. That was my initial thought, and I didn't give it anything more. I was like, no, that's it. <laughs> but I listened to his two songs, and I liked them. I haven't listened to the one he did with Tech Nine and uh, whoever else is kid, on the uh, Kid Bubble, Kid Booby. I don't know. Yeah, something. I haven't listened to that one. I listened to the other one. And it was it was all right. I yeah, I liked the uh, Blue Eyes Black. Or, Blue Eyes Black. That's the that's the other one. Yeah, that's yeah, the one that he I didn't like, do with Tech Nine. I liked that one. Yeah, a lot. Uh, the other one that he did with Tech CMFT Nine. CMFT must be stopped. Yeah, it's called. It was okay. It 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 was fine. Um, but this, I like the other one better. This apparently, from what I read, is just him doing what he wants. Yeah. Like, this is well, nobody this, stopped him from doing that to begin with. Right, but I mean, like, it was definitely like he didn't have to format himself to fit Slipknot or Stone yeah. Sour. Like yeah. this is literally just, just him, doing what, him doing what he wants to do. Yeah, no more power to him. Like yeah. I, I dug the songs. I'm, I'm kind of excited to listen to. It. In fact, I almost bought his autograph CD. Oh yeah? yeah, you could right now go on the website and um, for like. 30 bucks I think you can buy an autograph CD that's not a CD uh, maybe it's even less it might be like 10 bucks it might be just a CD and it's autographed but limited I mean because you know I got the Corey Taylor yeah you know, Corey Search Taylor Darkness shrine. and stuff well I don't have a shrine not yet I got a Deadpool shrine you don't have enough stuff yet I'm not yet. that obsessed with Corey Taylor no, really, you just don't have enough stuff yet <laughs> I mean I, I mean yeah I don't know, maybe <laughs> I, I don't know I'm not that obsessed with him I, I just like him a lot lies hey, but the as I've talked to some people about the, my my justification for why I like Corey Taylor is like, hey, he's an asshole. I I wouldn't wouldn't doubt that at all. But I'm from Iowa, and I'm from the same area as Corey Taylor. Like I was raised in I was born in Cedar Falls, Iowa, and I was raised in Waterloo. Well, Corey Taylor spent most of his life in Waterloo, Iowa. So like I know what he's talking about because I was raised there too. Right. And there's something that was brought to like the attention like uh, an interview question or something like that when he when Slipknot came out was like why are you guys so like aggressively dark and this and this and this and the only answer that they could really provide was there's a darkness in Iowa that is not seen and until mm-hmm. you've lived in that darkness yeah you really don't know it's there it's this hidden world and I was like that's so true yeah it's very true I understand like Iowa's compared to Minnesota especially like Iowa's about two or three dollars less income based than Minnesota, mm. right? So if I go down to what I'm making now, which isn't, it's just a little bit above the average wage probably for yeah somebody in my position, but right, um, not by much. If I was to go down to Iowa, I'd be making like minimum wage for Minnesota. 
probably. Yeah. Like, you know, I'd be much, much, I'd probably be making like $10 an hour. I Jeez. mean, that's, Iowa's income is not, they're also like, I feel like Iowa, each time I go down to Iowa, they're like five years behind everybody else. They're not too far out of date, but they're they're like five years. Like each time I see something, I'm like, oh, they're just now doing that, or oh, they're just now doing that. That was like five years ago. Like they just I, got color TV, right? But the point is, is like I understand a lot of what Corey talks about when he talks about Iowa, right? So, I mean, I, obviously the age is entirely different because he's what. In his late forties, and he's born in like seventy seventy six maybe. Damn, I don't I, I, no I forgot he was that old. So, I mean, he's definitely older. He's like my uncle's age, and um, in fact, my aunt went to high school with him. With Cordia. oh no shit, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. My aunt went to the same high school, and I guess they were a part of the Outcast crew. <laughs> so I guess they were friends in high school and stuff, and. My aunt made it specifically, it was like she made a point one time at like right after one of the shows, mm-hmm. it was like one or two o'clock in the morning, that she had called me to tell me who she just got done hanging out with. <laughs> so I guess they went to a Stone Sour show and got VIP passes and, and hung out with, with you know the band or whatever and because they were friends in high school, like they caught up or whatever that's legit and I guess my aunt made specifically to rub it in my face I'm like what a bitch, bitch. <laughs> I don't like her anyway so it's okay <laughs> yeah she's 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 definitely one of the family members we just kind of don't talk about anymore um, especially after that incident <laughs> yeah so I love my cousins but don't don't like her and uh, yeah funny. yeah I just <laughs> right. Damn. What a bitch. She's like, oh, you, you know the oh, the band Stone Sour, right? You're 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 into that music, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. Why are you calling me? I mean, I was up, but she called yeah. me at like two in the morning. I'm like, oh, well, we just left uh, a Stone Sour concert, and I was hanging out with Corey, and this. So I'm like, why are you telling me this? Like, yeah. that's kind of a shitty thing to do. <laughs> Thanks, asshole. Goodbye. Right. <laughs> but yep, that's, that's why funny. I like Corey Taylor. Yeah, his books are good. I like him, but I mean, he's definitely an asshole. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people that are they think intelligent in the way that Corey Taylor is, like, tend to be considered that anyway. Yeah, and he's super intelligent. He's a very yeah. smart guy, and he, uh, but he knows kind of like he's like the 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 rough smart, meaning like because of the way he was raised, he learned quickly. Yep. on these things and because of his habits that he had as a younger man and stuff like that he quickly learned about life yeah and which is why i can relate and then he goes but he's he was super smart he was passionate about music and he got into music because of his grandmother like his grandmother was a big elvis fan and mm-hmm. cory taylor grew up listening to elvis so he has a soft spot for elvis because of his grandmother and his grandmother was one of the few people that raised him pretty much helped raise him his mom wasn't around so he finally got his guitar and he just played and played and started writing songs and things like that eventually tried to find bands and but he was also a reader he spent a lot of time like he didn't have a lot of friends so if he wasn't out causing mayhem (laughs) and getting into trouble with some of the friends he did he 
stayed at home and he read a lot. So he got his hands on everything he could read. And that's why he's really good with words. That's why he's the lyrics that he provides in Slipknot, if you were to actually break them out and read them, they're pretty, you know, sophisticated. <laughs> we're both having trouble today. Don't worry about it. It's, it's because it's morning. <laughs> it's true. I think my cup of coffee's running off. Mm, my Rockstar didn't do shit for me. Yeah. Uh, either way, I mean, that's my that's my case on Corey Taylor. <laughs> but, I don't know, man. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Or no. Wrap, can, probably wrap it up. Wrap her up. Sounds good. Well, I guess we'll have to, uh, next podcast, we'll have to do our music. Yep, yep. So we'll talk sure. about the Billie Eilish album that we were listening to. Yeah, what the hell is it called again? Where do we go? Where do we go when we sleep? sleep? Yeah. I think that you guys will be shocked to hear our opinions on this one. Um, but, or not. Uh, I mean, or not, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, yeah, I don't know. We can, I mean, we'll probably, I don't know. Obviously, we're not going to give it away, but. No, no, we'll wait for next time. Yeah. So, <laughs> otherwise, uh, yeah, you can catch us at uh, on Facebook if you want to get a hold of us through some kind Facebook. of format. We got Facebook at BNB Banter Bros on Facebook. We also have an email uh, account. So, BNB Banter Bros at gmail.com. Yep, BNB at gmail. I and I had to change everything. It just sucks. Why can't I have the consistency? It makes right. everything in there, but no. And then you uh, can also check us out on Facebook. Or not Facebook. I already said that. Yep. Instagram. Yep. <laughs> it's, Instagram, yeah. which is uh, BNB. Yep. Banter Bros. But uh, we'll put all that in the, the description, in the description detail. Sure. Yeah. So try to make it a little less work for you. So feel free to hit us up. Send us suggestions, comments. Yep. Whatever you want. All that I'm jazz. not going to tell you to live your life. That's your job. Yep. Unless you're doing it wrong. But send us suggestions, but not stupid ones. Right. right. <laughs> yep. But this is Timothy Bennett. This is Aaron Banyan. And we'll catch you later. Later. Peace.